0: part one chapter eight of war and peace by leo tolstoy translated by nathan haskell doyle this lipavox recording is in the public domain recording by marianne chapter eight ma bonne amie said the little princess after breakfast on the morning of the thirty-first of march and her downy upper lip was lifted out of mere habit for a certain sense of melancholy had affected not only the talk but the footsteps of all in this house ever since the receipt of the terrible news so that even the little princess had come under the influence of it and she smiled in such a way that it reminded one even more of the general depression ma bonne amie i am afraid my frustuck this morning as foca the cook calls it did not agree with me what's the matter sweetheart you are pale ach you are very very pale said the princess maria alarmed and going toward her sister-in-law with her heavy but gentle steps your illustriousness shan't we call maria bogdanovna inquired one of the maids who happened to be present maria Bagdanovna was the midwife from the shire town who had now been living at luisia gurieux for a fortnight it certainly may be necessary replied the princess maria i will go courage Monange." She kissed Liza and started to leave the room. Ah, no, no! And over and above the pallor arising from physical suffering, the little princess's face showed a childish fear of unendurable agony. Non, c'est le stomach, dit, que c'est le stomach, dit, Marie, Diet, And the princess wept childishly, capriciously, and perhaps rather hypocritically, wringing her hands. The young princess went from the room, in search of Maria Bogdanovna. Mundu, Mundu, oh, was heard behind her. Rubbing her plump, small, white hands, the midwife came to meet her with a significant but perfectly composed expression of countenance. Maria Bogdanovna, I think it is beginning, said the princess Maria, looking at the midwife with terrified, wide-open eyes. Well, then, glory to God for that, princess, said Maria Bogdanovna, not quickening her steps. You young ladies have no need to know anything about it.' "'But what shall we do if the doctor from Moscow has not come yet?' asked the princess. By Liza and Prince Andrei's desire they had sent to Moscow for an acquiescer, and he was expected at any moment. "'No matter, princess, don't be alarmed,' said Maria Bogdanovna. "'It will come out all right, even without a doctor.' In the course of five minutes the young princess heard, as she sat in her room, the sound of men carrying something heavy." She looked out and saw the servants, for some reason or other, carrying into the sleeping room the leather divan which had always stood in Prince André's study. There was an expression of gentleness and solemnity on the faces of the men who were lugging this. The Princess Maria sat alone in her room, listening to the various sounds of the house, and occasionally opening the door when anyone passed, and trying to make out what was going on in the corridor. A number of women with light steps were moving hither and thither and they gave a glance at the young princess and turned away. She did not venture to ask any questions, but shut her door, went back to her own bedroom, sat down for a little in her armchair, then hastened to her oratory, and bent on her knees before the Kyot, or shrine of images. To her dismay and surprise, she found that prayer did not aid her in calming her agitation. Suddenly the door of her room was softly opened, and on the threshold appeared her old nurse, Prashkovya Savishna, with a kerchief tied over her head. It was almost never that she came to the princess's room, as her father had expressly forbidden it. "'God be with you, Mashenka. I have come to sit a little while,' said the nurse. "'And here are the prince's wedding-tapers I have brought to light before the saint, my angel,' she added with a sigh. "'Ach, how glad I am, nurse! God is merciful, my dove!' The old nurse lit the tapers in the golden candlesticks before the shrine, and then sat down by the door with her knitting. The Princess Maria took a book and began to read. Only when they heard footsteps or voices the Princess would glance up with frightened, anxious face, and the nurse would look at her with a soothing expression. In all parts of the house everyone was dominated by the same feelings which the Princess Maria experienced as she sat in her room. In accordance with the old superstition that the fewer people know of the sufferings of a woman in labor, the less she suffers, all pretended to be ignorant of what was going on. No one spoke about it, but everybody, over and above the habitual gravity and respectful propriety that obtained in the prince's household, evidently shared the general anxiety, tender heartedness, and consciousness that something great, incomprehensible, and solemn was taking place at that hour. There was no sound of laughing heard in the great room devoted to the maidservants. In the official naya all the men sat silent, as if waiting for something. The servants kept pine-knots and candles burning, and did not think of going to sleep. The old prince, walking on his heels, strode up and down his cabinet, and at last ordered Tikhon to go to Marya Bogdanovna. Merely say, the prince has sent to ask, and come and tell me what she says." inform the prince that labor has begun said marya bogdanovna giving the messenger a significant look tikhon went and reported to the prince very good exclaimed the prince closing the door behind him tikhon heard not the slightest sound in the cabinet after waiting some time tikhon went into the cabinet pretending that it was to snuff the candles and seeing the prince lying on the sofa he looked at his agitated face shook his head then silently stepping up to him and kissing him on the shoulder He left the room, forgetting to snuff the candles and not saying why he had gone in. The most solemn mystery in the world was in process of consummation. The evening passed, the night wore away, and the sense of expectancy and solemnified thought at the presence of the ineffable grew intenser rather than grew weaker. No one slept it was one of those nights in march when winter seems determined to resume his sway and scatters with rage and despair his last snows and gusts of wind a relay of horses had been sent along the highway to meet the german doctor from moscow who was every moment expected and horsemen with lanterns were sent out to the junction of the cross road to guide him safely by the pitfalls and watery hollows the princess Maria had long since laid down her book She was sitting in perfect silence, with her lustrous eyes fastened on her old nurse's wrinkled face, every line of which she knew so well, on the little tuft of grey hair that had escaped from under her kerchief, and on the loose flesh hanging under her chin. Yanya Savishna, with her unfinished stocking in her hand, was telling in a low voice, without heeding her own words, the story that she had told a hundred times, about the late princess, and how she had been delivered of the Princess Maria, in Kishinev with an old Moldavian peasant-woman for a midwife. "'God is merciful. Doctors are never needed,' she was saying. Suddenly a gust of wind beat violently against the window-frame. It was always a whim of the princess to have the double windows taken off from at least one of the windows in each room as soon as the larks made their appearance, and burst the carelessly pushed bolt, while a draught of cold air laden with snow shook the silken curtains and puffed out the light. The princess shuddered. The old nyanya laying down her stocking went to the window and leaning out tried to shut it too again the cold wind fluttered the ends of her kerchief and the gray locks of her dishevelled hair princess matushka someone's coming up the prushpetk cried she getting hold of the window but not closing it with lanterns it must be the doctor ach oh, glory to god salvabohu, bohu exclaimed the princess Maria. I must go and meet him. He won't be able to speak Russian." The Princess Maria wrapped her shawl around her and hastened down to meet the visitors. When she reached the anteroom she looked through the window and saw a team and lanterns standing at the front doorsteps. She went out on the landing. On the foot of the balustrade flamed a tallow candle guttering in the wind. The groom Philip, with a terrified face and with another candle in his hand, stood lower down on the first landing of the staircase. Still lower down, at the turning of the staircase, were heard advancing footsteps in thick boots, and a voice which struck the princess Maria as strangely familiar was saying something. "'Thank God! Salva Bohu!' said the voice. "'And my father?' "'He has gone to bed,' replied the voice of Demian, the majordomo, who had by this time come down. Then the well-known voice asked something, and Demian answered, and the steps in the thick boots came swifter up the stairs and nearer to the princess.' out of sight around the turn it is andrei said the princess to herself no it cannot be it would be too extraordinary she thought and at the very moment that this thought occurred to her on the landing where stood the servant with the candle appeared prince andrei's form enveloped in a fur shuba the collar all powdered with snow yes it was he but pale and thin and with an altered and strangely gentle but anxious expression he ran up the stairs and clasped his sister in his arms. "'You didn't receive my letter?' he asked, and not waiting for her reply, which, indeed, he would not have received, for the princess was too much moved to speak, he turned back, and, joined by the accuchère, who had come with him, he had overtaken him at the last post-station, with hasty steps flew up the stairs again, and again embraced his sister. "'What luck!' he cried. "'Dear Masha!' and flinging off his shuba and boots, he went into his wife's room. End of chapter 8